Okay, I had an interesting question. What should I do if I don't like someone? What should you do if you don't like someone? So there's a there's a chazal. The Gemara says that you know, there's a mission in the Torah. Pre-kent, you know. Anyway, this mitzvah type of, of pre-cantino, that uh, somebody's donkey is overladen, you have to take, take him, help him to unload the donkey, and uh, then you have to take, help him to reload the donkey. So the Gemara says that normally uh, the mitzvah of pre <coughs> takes precedence over the mitzvah of te'ino, because in both cases you're helping the person, but in the case of pre you're also helping the animal, so it's char balechayim. However, the Gemara says, if you have a choice, there's two people, one of, the, one of whom you like, and he needs his donkey to be uh, unloaded, and the other one you don't like, and he needs his donkey to be loaded, you should help the person that you don't like first, because if they lock of his Yitzray. So, I guess, you know, the simple side of that is that it's just a good thing to break down your HR, you know, to do the thing that you don't want to do. just has its own, you know, on its own merits. Doing, doing something against your nature, so that's a, that's a good thing. But probably most to say that the deeper meaning is that if there's somebody that you don't like, even the Targum is talking rumors over there, that uh, if, because the Targum says you should be you should be pyrrhic, you're, you're a sinner. Anyway, um, the probably most to say the idea is that if, if you don't like somebody, then if you help him, it helps you to get rid of the dislike. The fact you, uh, you you help somebody, then it some ire in you, uh, feelings of, of empathy. Everybody must have talked about you, you, you love someone because you do for, a, a parent loves a child because uh, of what they do for the child they invest so much in the child so that creates feelings of, of love so if you don't like somebody you should uh, find an opportunity when his donkey needs unloading and you just help him and uh, that's what you should do yeah okay non-Jewish music is it okay to listen to non-Jewish music I mean, it, if it's um, non-Jewish music that has a, uh, an erotic theme or something, or that's not appropriate. But if it's just non-Jewish music, that's uh, lots of lots of big time Chacham listen to classical music, so it's also non-Jewish music. If a Vadi used to listen to Arab music, so you certainly have a Baisancho. have a presence if it's music that's uh, that the nature of the music is that it's that it, 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 it's ma'er, you know, uh, it's ma'er, that side of the person that's more more animal like so that's not the you know music is very powerful music, uh, music works on your your emotions it's very powerful a lot of people they listen to music to relax I don't understand that I can't listen to music to relax it makes me not relax because I'm gets me all emotional I find it very hard to study if there's music in the background but a lot of people do I don't know but um I guess they got used to it. But uh, that I could see is, you know, that's the problem. You know, I don't know, I'm prejudiced against like a rap music or something, but maybe just my, maybe I'm just an old buddy-buddy. I don't, I don't know. But that's, I don't think there's a problem. Again, it's, it's, as long as it's music that, the, that it's not, uh, you know, that, that the words are not inappropriate. Is there no idea that the person who is making the music, like even though it's not necessarily present in the music, still like penetrate you? Like for example, going back to like the books of like uh, 
of uh, I forgot the guy, the, the author of the wrote the books, but like he was, he turned out that he was really like doing inappropriate things over all the years. People still say you should get rid of the books, even though technically the books had no problem, but it was the person who was behind them. If it didn't bother about yourself, I don't think it should bother you. That's my uh, feeling. I know there are people who think otherwise, but uh, certainly not a halachic basis. And even uh, I think that's true. If it didn't bother Rabbi Yisrael, and, and there were there were big time chachamim, they'll tell you that listen to classical music. So, what do you think they were so moral? Necessarily, I don't know. Maybe yeah, maybe not. I have no idea, but certainly can't be taken for granted. Okay, question: If a Talmud disagrees with his Rebbe, should he be mivatel his own opinion? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, maybe it's related to if the Rebbe says a joke and you don't think it's funny, should you laugh? Uh, there's a Gemara in Babakama. The Gemara in Babmitzi, rather, in Davchot by the Gemara of Zenet of Zelay Chosser. So the Gemara over there says that that uh, Rav Chizda asked of Romi Bachama a certain shaila, and Romi Bachama said, you know, "Before I answer you, I want you to be to be mishamish me a little bit, carry my kalim to the Beis Hamerchutz, and then I'll tell you the then I'll tell you the the pshat." So Rav Shimon Shkup says that the pshat is that Romi Bachama wanted to wanted to tell him something very deep, something deep, and to be makabel something from someone else. To hear as far that somebody else said, says, you need to have a certain amount of bittel. To be willing to, to hear the other person, to be mavatal your own, to own das, and to hear the other person, to hear the other tzat. <coughs> when I was a bocha, they used to say that, that a cheshman you could tell to anybody, but as far you can only tell to a friend. A cheshman is a cheshman, it's either it's right or it's wrong, but the cheshman is, a, you know, it doesn't matter if the guy. But, but, to a, but a svara, if the listener is not sympathetic, he's not going to hear the svara. So that's what uh, Roshim Shkup says. That's what Rami Rechambo was saying to Rav Chisda. I'm going to tell you this far, but you have to be in the mindset, in the, in the, in the frame of mind to be makabu. Because it's not a svar that right away in the first listening you're going you're gonna to necessarily agree with. You have, to, you, have to, you have to be open to it. And, and so he said, be mashamish me a little bit. Shimish tell me the That'll put you in a, in a mind frame of, in a, in a, in a, in a frame of mind of, of bitul, and then you'll be able to, to hear the svar. So that's, I think, very certainly true in, the, when it comes, you know, in, in, in relationship between a Talmud and a Rebbe. A Talmud, if you know, if the fact that, you, that you're coming to a Rebbe at all means that, that at some level you think that the Rebbe has what to offer that you don't have on, on your own. So there is a certain amount of bittal that's, that's required. On the other hand, the whole purpose is that you should become a force, uh, you, should be, you should become a force, uh, a force on your own. The whole point of, of the of the yeshiva of the education is that you should become independent in learning. And you should become a, go from a Talmud, from being a Talmud to being a Talmud Chaver, being being able to be Chalit. So that's the progression. That's the learning curve. But it starts off from a position of bittul. The truth is, it's true in any discipline. A person starting out to learn physics, and uh, and you know they tell him you know Einstein's theory of relativity, and his first reaction is that doesn't make any sense. So that can't be true. So you know he's never going to get anywhere. You have to you have to first be makabel, and then when you go proficient, then you can uh, then you can disagree. But you can't start off by disagreeing. So the whole learning curve of learning is that you start off from a posture of, of bittel, and then you become more and more independent and more and more uh, 
I'm not going to give you, you know, I'm not going to tell you where, you where you are on the learning curve that you have to feel for yourself. But it has to start with a sense of bittul, and then it goes on to a sense of, of independence. The Talmud goes from being a Talmud to being a Talmud father. That's the, that's the progress. I tell over a lot of times a story to Rav Leib Malin, I'm sure many of you have probably heard this, that a Bokha came to Rav Leib Malin, and he said he wants to try out the shear. You, know, you heard the story from me? He wants to try out the shear. A lot of guys here in Yeshiva also do that. They, they try it. They try it. To, you start. You come for the first time. You don't know which year you want to go. To. I'll try it out. So, so Rav Malin said, "No, not masking." So the Bokha said, "Why?" So he said, "Because it has to be Meir Rabchok and Meir Shemayim." And by the Rebbeinu Shalom, it says, "Leisanasan as Hashem You don't try out the Rebbeinu Shalom, so you can't try out a Rebbe. Come to a Rebbe. Do you want to be Makabel? It may not work out. If it doesn't work out, you can leave. But not to come in with the mindset that I'm going to, I'm going to see if he's, uh, you know, I'm going to see if I like it. I'm going to see if it's good. So I don't know why you. It's uh, they, you know, how else are you going to make a choice? I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. But but I'll compare him. The um, the idea is that it's, it starts off from Bittel, and then from Bittel it works to more and more independence. Okay. Uh, one more, two more. What do I think of the range of Hashkofas? I don't know if this is verbatim the way the question was. Uh, what do I think of the range of Hashkofas and Derech Halimud among the Wayu Rosha Yeshiva? I guess, like, is that a good thing or a bad thing with such a range of Hashkofas and Darki Halimud? I don't know that it's true that there's such a range of Hashkofas. Halimud is a separate thing, but in Hashkofa, not so much my impression that there's a range of Hashkofas. I think we're all pretty much on the same page. I'll tell you, uh, I was in, the, once upon a time, I was at a, a YU Shabbaton in the five towns. And I think they're having now a Tinak Shabbaton coming up soon, right? But anyway, this is a five-town Shabbaton. And I was supposed to speak before Mincha at one of the, one of the shuls. So the rabbi, I'm not going to say who the rabbi was, but the, I don't remember his name right this second anyway. But the, 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 ra- the rabbi got up to introduce me. And you know, Shabbos, I wear a frock and a very yeshiva shitzur. So Rabbi got up to introduce me, and he's a, he's a he's since retired, but he's I guess you could say left of center. So anyway, he gets up to introduce me, and he says, "Well, the, you know, part of the beauty of Wayu is that they have rabbeim with all different uh, hashkafos." Uh, I guess that was the. Uh, so I I didn't say anything, but I really what I wanted to get up and say was I think part of the beauty of Wayu is that all the rabbis have the same hashkafa. <laughs> I really don't think there's much to uh, maybe have slight nuances, but really I think we're all on the same page. Ashkafa was. I really I don't think there's much difference. I mean, really very little. Yeah, minor nuances. There's a big difference in Ashkafa between the Rosenzweig and the Shechter and Rebbe Lulik and Rebbe Tversky. I don't think that's true. Or any Akotten. I don't think there's much difference at all. So I don't think that's true. What, it, what is true is a big range in Darkei Elimud. That is true. That's because the Rav's Talmidim, I'm not a Talmud of the Rav. I mean, I was by the Rav for a summer, but that doesn't really, that's not enough to make me a Talmud of the Rav. But most of the, most of the Rabbi Meir are Talmidim of the Rav, and the Talmidim of the Rav are very different from each other, and they're, and they're, they're a Halimud, which is an interesting thing all by itself. Maybe, you know, that's the more coaching question. Why is it that the Rav's Talmidim are so, are so, different, are so different from each other in, in, in learning? You know, you have Rav Einstein, and you have Rav Shechter, and, and uh, I mean, there are many others. They're, they're very different from each other. So, so why is that? You don't find that so much. Rav Einstein and they're not so different from each other in learning. What's the what's the pshat in that? So, uh, I remember when I was a bacher, they used to talk a lot about 
why is it that Rav Chaim's Talmidim are all different, but the Brisker Rav's Talmidim are all the same in learning? Rav Chaim's Talmidim, you have Rav Shemeshkop, and then you have a, you know, Rav Shemeshkop is one world, and Rav Bachber is a, Rav Bachber, and they're so different from each other, and I don't remember who I was, okay, now all the Rav Chaim's Talmidim, but they're very different from each other. And Rav Chaim Ezer was sort of a Talmud of Rav Chaim, a Talmud Chavar, really. Um, they're all different from each other. And the Briskov's Talmidim, they're all the same. That was the question, you know, they said various things. But I think the answer, the answer is, I think the Pashat answer is, that what makes a Rebbe, a Rebbe can have a, has an influence on the Talmud. Certainly a Rebbe has an influence on the Talmud and the Talmud's learning, but the, the more, but in some ways, the stronger influence is the Chaver, the Beis Medrash. The Mechaver, Yosemir, Rabbi in, in many ways, that's at least as formative as the, as the influence of, of the Rebbe, and, and, may, and maybe more. So Rav Chaim's Talmidim, many of them were after Rav Chaim. Rav Chaim was in Velozhin, left Velozhin, Velozhin closed down, Rav Chaim was still a young man. A lot of Rav Chaim's Talmidim were from after Velozhin. And even in Velozhin, most of Velozhin was not learning like Rav Chaim. Rav Chaim was a, made a revolution in Velozhin. So the, the influence of Rav Chaim's Talmidim, the influence was Rav Chaim. But it wasn't like they were coming from a formative based medrash that made them all the same. The Biskirov Talmidim were all from the Mir. Most of them were, they were the Mir Chaver. Rabbi Zayutl was a Shiv in the Mir, would send the, 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 the top Talmidim to, to, to learn a little bit, to spend his mind by the Biskirov. So they were all Mir. So they were all the same, not because they were Talmidim in the Biskirov. They were all the same because they were all from the same base medrash. They all learned in, in the Mir. Before that, they also probably went to just a couple of Shivas, Bradovich, Kamenitz. So they, they all came out of the same base medrash. So that made them very similar to They went from the Biskirov. They got whatever it is that they got from the Biskirov. The extra little, uh, the extra little. I don't know, it's a separate discussion what exactly they got but the extra something that they got from the Biskirov but that didn't that didn't change the fact that fundamentally they were coming from the same base medrash the Rav's Talmidim when, when they when they when the Rav's Talmidim I think they, the Rav was the main influence but the, the base medrash is not such a strong influence the the, the risk of the Raisa in the base medrash in those days was much weaker than it is today today the base medrash is full night say this is this, this everybody's business there's so many guys learning, and, and it's the Chaveri Yosemir Rabbeisi today is much stronger than it was in, the, in those days. The, the learning was much weaker in Wayu, so you had Yechidim. So they grew from the Rav, and they grew from their own learning, but it wasn't necessarily, they, I don't think they didn't have that, that, they didn't have that, um, that influence of the Bismedish that should make them conform to one uh, model. So from the Rav, each one took from the Rav a different thing. Each one took from, from their own development a different thing. But I think that's, that's my explanation. I'm not saying this is uh, canonical, but that's my explanation, my theory about why the Rav's Talmudim are so different. But bottom line, they're very different. So the Rav and Yishimba are very different from each other in, le- in learning. But in Hashkaf, I don't see it at all. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what level. But in a, in a, in a high level, that's also true. Could be here in Wayu. It's also less because it's a it's a yeshiva where most. I know for myself, my 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 chaverim, uh, the beis medrash, the risk of the ice in Lakewood Namir was a very big influence on me. As much as much as from the as much as and maybe more, in my case, but I think especially and maybe more than than the rabbi. I'm not sure why it was exactly the same. First of all, why you itself, the the beis medrash itself, is uh, is fragmented in the different shiurim. Each one is learning and holding in a different place. And also, it's a, it's why you was a yeshiva where most of the guys are fairly young, and 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 fairly uh, well, guys come right after high school. It's not like and 
and in, in terms of their, their trajectory in learning, they're, they're early on in their trajectory in learning. So maybe it's also less of a, of a could be in why you it's less. But in the mirror, for sure, the mirror was very, the base measures were very formative. In Lakewood, the base measures were very formative. In the mirror in, in Europe and afterwards, the base measures were very formative. So I think what makes the, con- the, the thing that makes the impression of conformity, that makes it look like all the Tamidim are the same, I think that's what it has to do with it. Biskov's Tamidim were all the same, not because they're Biskov. Biskov's Tamidim were all the same because they were coming out of the same base measures. And if Chaim's Tamidim were not in that way. So I, I think that's true also. Or, or Lichtenstein of Shechter, or Varankan, whatever we can learn. I mean, whatever. I, we, 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 they, they grew from the rub and they grew from themselves, but I don't think that the Bismedrish and Wayu was such a formative influence. So they developed in different ways. Look, I wasn't there, but that's my, uh, my, uh, that's my theory for what it's worth. Uh, does Rebbe think that there should be some sort of sheer quality or exposure to, to the Tamim to get to hear sheer from other Rebbe? Listen, the purpose of a sheer, I think that was one of the questions that I was not going to answer. Um, <laughs> not, not necessarily because I'm running away from it, it just wasn't on my list of questions to answer today. But the purpose, the, the purpose of a shir, in, in the yeshivas that I went to, the purpose of a shir koli is not that you should hear from shir, you should hear a shir from some other rebbe, not the one that you're hearing shir from. The shir koli might be from the same person that you hear shir every day. I heard shir from Rav Nachum every day in this, when I was by Rav Nachum, and then there was a shir koli from Rav Nachum. Rav Chaim Musa, Rav Chaim Shalavitz also did a shir koli, but the point of a shir koli is not that you should get exposed to other dark alimut. The point of a shir koli is that in the daily shir, you work through the sugya sort of on the blot. And then the Shir Kloli, it's with a bigger, a bigger, um, a bigger, people say, a ma'of, uh, you know, a, a bigger ambit. So, uh, you know, wider to, 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 more of a, of a, of a marocha, a superstructure. So, you know, you, you, in, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the blat shear, you work through the blat, you work through the nitty gritty of the sugya. And then you come to the Shikola, and then you see uh, broader, broader horizons. So, but, but it's not that you should hear, you should have one kind of shear in the black shear, and then you should go to a shear Kola and have a, like a whole different kind of, a whole different kind of Garechalim, but that's not the point. And I don't know that that's even productive. I have to learn, Chazal uh, talk about the value, of, the value of learning by different rabbis, but not necessarily all at the same time. There could be value in having a shir koli from your rebbe, but we don't really have a framework for that. So every now and then, shir is a shir koli. Every now and then, yeah, it's a big shir koli. It's all, it's all, uh, it's all, uh, all in the same place. Yeah. Does everybody think that over the few years that guys have at YU, it'd be advantageous for guys to go to different shirim to do makabel or get exposure to different akliyamot, or just stick more or less with one rebbe all the way through? On the whole, I think it's better to. St- well, I don't want to see no maybe it's look if I ask me the Dirish. Uh, <laughs> you know I'm the wrong person to ask. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure that I know. I think the Derecha, you want to be kind of one mile from learning and learning. It could be that there is a value in hearing somebody else also a little bit. I can't say not. Put it this way. It's certainly, I don't think it's a good thing to go one year by one Rebbe, one year by another Rebbe, one by another Rebbe, who are all very, very different from each other. So then you're not going to get anything, uh, any, any derech down. Once you feel you've gotten from a Rebbe uh, a lot, to go to a different Rebbe to, to hear something else, maybe, maybe. Could, could be. I don't think it's like so, so uh, but maybe. Yeah. 
see the, the negotiations that you're saying. Yeah, I think everybody sends their kids where they think it will be good for the kids. I would have sent my kids to OIU if I thought it would be good for them, but I didn't think it would, it would be good for them, so I don't, I don't think that's the reason. I'm not saying there's no difference at all, you know, I'm not saying, in, in, but the difference is very small. And I can't, I'm not saying there's not an outlier here and there, you know, it could be somebody who's a, a I'm not saying, I'm, you know, I'm not saying there's no exceptions. But by and large, by and large, I don't see that there's much dis- difference in Ashkafa between the I'm, I'm not aware of it. Really, I mean, we have meetings. And we never have, never have differences of hashkafa. I really can't. I can't remember any occasion when at a yeshiva's meeting differences of hashkafa emerged. I really don't think so. Okay, the last question. I guess it's connected. Why are there so many Russian yeshiva and why are you? Interesting question. How did I think of these questions? <laughs> Why are there so many Rosh Hashiva and YU? So it depends what the question, what the question means. Is the question why are there so many Rabbeim and YU? That's not a question. It's a big yeshiva. How many guys are in yeshiva? Six hundred. Just in YP, how many guys are in YP? Six hundred. So six hundred. You figure on the average thirty guys in a shear. That's that's already uh, thirty guys in a shear for six hundred. Are you doing that? How much is that? Well, it's, it's too advanced for me. What? <laughs> Any math majors here? Divide uh, 600 by 30, what? 20. 20. So that's 20 right there. So, uh, so what, a lot of it, that's not a catch at all. And also we have a lot of guys, you have a yeshiva sometimes where you have less guys, but they're there for a long time. So then you could have a yeshiva, this shiram like staggered, aleph, base, gimel, dalit. Here we have, we have a lot of guys, we're here for a short amount of time, for just three years, so we have a lot of parallel shiram. So that's not a catch at all. Why, why you have to have somebody obeying? Why you need to have a lot of obeying? Question is why there's so many Rosh Yeshiva. So, what's the difference between Rosh Yeshiva and Magashia? And all the Yeshivas. What's the difference between Rosh Yeshiva and Magashia? Well, Panovich may be a bad example. But what's the difference between Rosh Yeshiva and Magashia? Rosh Yeshiva makes the decisions. Rosh Yeshiva does the hiring and firing. Rosh Yeshiva decides who gets admitted, who gets expelled. Rosh Yeshiva has the burden of fundraising. And the Magad Shir just says, just says Shir. So in a regular yeshiva, you can't have everybody or yeshiva. And then you're gonna, how are you gonna, who's gonna make the decision? So you have a, whoever's, you have one person or two people are the Rosh yeshiva, they make the executive decisions, and then everybody else is a Magad Shir. And why you, nobody, none of the Rebbeim have any, uh, do any hiring and firing, and none of the Rebbeim decide on admissions, and none of the Rebbeim do any, are responsible for the fundraising. So everybody could be a Rosh yeshiva. <laughs> That's the difference. Yeah, okay, let's go. <laughs>